0: Welcome to Lat B, the only podcast that comes with a free bandit's bonus. Lat B, where MMA and UFC get silly. This is the Lat B Podcast. Welcome back. Welcome back. Episode two, three, five. We're going south of the border to Mexico. We're going to have a lot of fun stuff before we get there. We got to do a quick recap. Get a whole 15 minutes done about what we did in Vancouver. We went. We dominated. We brought all the money back. And it was a fun weekend. We'll go over just a tiny bit in the MMA community. Then we got to hit it hard. It's going to be a stretch. We're only halfway through this. I think 12 uh, weeks in a row worth of fights. So this is about the 6th or 7th week. We in the long haul and... Uh, some people might need a break right now, and dare I say, Mexico City. Woo! Woo! Fight study was a little, it, it was getting a little steamy in there. It was getting a little bit hard to keep the eyes open, so.
1: Is it hot in Mexico City right now? Hot as blazes, right?
0: I think they're in definitely the end of their summer, which if it's anything like in florida it's still not gone we still not in the fall it's oh, been no. blazing out oh, here
1: oh no i was having hot flashes all day today <laughs> it wasn't even my hormones <laughs> it is hot 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 out there in the florida heat so
0: yeah on the recap we had a vancouver night doing well having some money plays and overall, it ended up starting with Hubbard being the slight underdog by the time it closed, the American went in, wrestled a little bit more. The really interesting thing, did you see any of his, uh what was it called, like concussive or like separation uh, compartmentalized syndrome in his leg, which he had to be rushed to the oh, hospital? Oh,
1: yes. Uh, that was, I didn't know. <laughs> I was like, what are you saying? But then when... That was so... That He had to be
0: rushed to the hospital because he passed of out leg kick. of the leg kicks in this fight. So Preplek getting the last laugh in there, essentially. He's still cool. not able to go home. He's got some gnarly footage out there. I believe uh, Curtis Blades posted some stuff of tubes helping him release some of that toxic uh, blood in there. But, hey, people think leg kicks don't matter. Leg kicks matter. So... Hopefully, he does well. He earned a good win in there. Smoka coming out and running shop. Told you against this guy he was going to probably end up doing it. He ended up getting a TKO via hooks, but this was a body attack. Loving Smoker, uh, the output. This is what we needed from him now that he's gotten back in. He's def Timo Oyama. Do you remember much about this one?
1: I thought smoke out one thirty five is a contender. I loved it. I loved it. It's been a long time since we've seen smoke. look so comfortable in there. He ate shots. It wasn't just a walkthrough fight, but he really just uh I mean, it was a walkthrough fight in round one, but it it was everything it. was perfect up until then. it you, you know, he really um, was better than Ryan McDonald everywhere. and it I loved seeing it. I was excited to see Smoka look so good.
0: I would agree, but I also have to take that hesitation, that little bit of salt, and be like, okay, it was Ryan McDonald, And, you know, once he see, fights these Schnells yeah. and higher level, it's, again, as you're saying, he didn't just completely walk out of it. Uh, there was some offense there. So still like to see that. Kelly being an underdog, getting a three-round decision against Jordan Griffin. Uh, this was just veteranship coming through. Great game plan. Great grappling, Skelly getting it to the ground a little unorthodox, but it worked out overall. Griffin just couldn't get him off him. Very Ben Askren-ish in Skelly. I still don't, I'm still not confident in Chas Skelly moving forward. I don't see a title contender anytime soon with eventually people having that take on the I don't know about the title face.
1: contention, but this style from him and not trying to stand and bang with people and just having smart 15 minutes in there. I think he could be really dangerous. There's a lot of guys like Jordan Griffin at 145 that they have the crazy, really great hands with not very great takedown defense. And if he's gonna put guys that are strikers that need that first three minutes to knock someone out or make it hot in there and takes away their cardio and their power, like the style of his wrestling was stifling and he he was just on him the entire fight. He yep. was just stuck to him, stuck to their hips the entire fight. Uh, so I kind of like what I saw a little more. And to me, Jordan Griffin is a guy that he I I was on a little Jordan Griffin. Like I was sitting around that campfire. The I agree. Campfire, I had a fire. now experience. I want him to really work on the takedown defense or or the wrestling in reverse to make it that something needs to give there. That right. was, that was like a really. I didn't know it was... It, that makes me think, because I haven't seen it before glaring in a fight, it makes me think a little bit that Chaz Skelly might have that little next level.
0: Was There There was a double somersault, one from each fighter in this fight, where they had rear or back control, and both of them didn't Tonight
1: a was the night of double
0: somersaults. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But... Moving on to Brad Katona over Azur. Azur being in the underdog, big favorite was Katona, being the local guy more so. Katona, I had him as a dirty split on my cards. I really didn't have many options. I had a little bit of Azur on DraftKings, and he ended up cashing me for me a little bit. Katona's just, hes he's almost peaking. I don't know if he needs to get, he already travels a lot. I just don't know. I haven't seen a big leap. You're right. In You're his skill. So right. I just haven't seen it.
1: It's if if everyone doesn't see it at this point, it's one of those ones that there's money to be made on a hype train for Katona. That just it's his isn't name there. You're a hundred, a hundred, a hundred on it. That's what I would. That would be the emoji, the red emoji. I'd put a hundred, a hundred, a hundred, and I'd retweet it. Somebody put. Why would you retweet something? And I'm like, because sometimes they said it all. Right. So Agreed. 100, 100,
0: 100 retweet. 100%. And I
1: don't even have anything to <laughs> add. I to wish I would have gone with Azor.
0: Johns, Miles Johns, being a decided favorite, getting a dirty split decision over Cole Smith. I thought it was the right one in there. Not much to take away from it other than they're both low-level 135ers. I don't, Johns is not fought to his potential. I was higher On him, than what I saw. I liked what I I saw, actually, more growth than Smith out of these two, but nothing really memorable. It's going to have to go back to watching this fight before their next fights for each one and being like, okay, what's happening with these guys? Because they're kind of... They were a perfect matchup, but it was not a fun fight. Yeah. Then we had Augusta Sakai coming in over, marching Tabura, TKO, round number one. Telling you Tabura's also just been... Not there. He can throw the kick every once in a while, but Sakai really just got on it, put tons of pressure. Uh, Sakai said after his last fight that he knew he just had to move forward on these guys, and if he touched anyone, he'd knock them down. He just got a little overhyped being Andrei Arlovsky and the people he was fighting. The hype got to him. But if he moves forward on guys like this, Sakai's going to be someone to contend with, somebody who's going to get many more knockouts in the heavyweight division just because it is a little bit lacking, and especially if you get... Um, other heavyweights in there <laughs> that we saw a little bit later on in the night, you're like, oh, that's an easy win. Sure, give him that high job, but we'll get there. What do you take from Tabora other than it's probably, get out of here, my friend. It
1: looked like the worst version of Tibora in there to me. His body looks softer than ever before, and uh, the opposite to be said about Sakai. He looked like the most ripped version of himself. I like whether I, I I liked Sakai going in. I like him going out. I know it is Tabura on one hand, but he's in a division like this. He's a top fifteen guy.
0: Very <laughs> <laughs> so, true. I yeah. agree a hundred percent. It that's the, the state we're in right now with heavyweights. But we're finally getting some good prospects. Sakai being one of those. On to two hundred and five pounds. We had an underdog coming through the local Misha Shirkanov getting the very rare Peruvian necktie in the first round over the, uh, what is it? Brute. <laughs> the brute crew, <laughs> the Marcelo <laughs> Garcia black belt in there. Man, I was heavy on crew. I thought he was going to knock this one out of the park on the ground. I was, thought he would have a little better uh, defense, but Shirkanov showing just great ground skills, really, really putting it on crew and that necktie you're supposed to break those hands that was a strong grip the shoulders are even locked in there a little bit i got nothing bad to say about shirking off i think i'm gonna still be betting against that chin as we move forward with him the brew crew hey he needs this is good for him it's his first loss is it his first loss i think his second yeah this is his first loss so um he's gonna go back This is still a top 15 guy, as we're saying, with Shurkinov. Shurkinov still has everything there other than potentially just that jaw. But if Shurkinov does that Ben Askren, that Skelly, all of a sudden, and is like, fuck this striking, I'm getting right to the ground, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with, for sure.
1: That's kind of how Shurkinov started, and somewhere he fell in love with his hands, and he's been getting knocked out all those fights. But if this kind of Shurkinov is going to come out in the exact same as I was saying with Skelly, yeah, I think it's very scary. Jimmy Crute, I was so high on him. He kind yeah. of was the ruiner of, of my night. Yep. Um, but he needed this loss, and Misha Sirkinoff isn't a guy that just has okay ground game. I just thought Jimmy Crute was entirely going to keep it standing, stay away, and just stay striking. But that did not happen. Misha Sirkinoff is too strong and too good. So <sighs> Crute still has fights to win, but that is, that's what he needs to be working on. It's like, this was the night of glaring holes.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, was there some holes to be exploited, as some might say. At 185 pounds, we had Uriah (laughs) Hall. (laughs) Uriah Hall coming in as the PMP, getting on the winning streak. Two weeks in a row, PMP coming through. We had him against Cara de Zapato, shoe face, having one of those big weaknesses, which is takedowns and cardio. We've been saying it here at Latby for a long time for a reason. I feel like that's exactly what happened with Junior. Yes, did he he got his nose broken in that first round, which affected it, but that's the name of the game.
1: You get your nose broken in fights sometimes.
0: Yeah, that's the name of the game. If it yeah, if it wouldn't have couldn't have should have happened, hey, people's fingers break, people's arms dislocate. If you can get it, if you can throw that punch and that guy's in the way, it ain't lucky. Like, not to take any way away, anything away from Shoeface, but but uh, Uriah Hall being at Ford is finally coming into his own, as we're talking about. There was times I was scared for Hall in there, but he kept a good head about him as we were hoping with that sports psychologist. And uh, he still has fights to win, but he's in this echelon of top fighter that he quickly has a bad matchup. And this... We saw maybe not so much, but very quickly a well-rounded fighter can be trouble for Uriah Hall.
1: Uh, I think Uriah Hall is a really great guy. He's 185ers, probably top ten in the world. Shoeface is probably top. He's top twenty in the world. Uh, I just think Uriah Hall did everything right here. These are two of the best, toughest 185ers on the planet. You know. Agreed. Well, neither of was 185 when they fought, but <laughs> <laughs> but no, I. I it it went down exactly what we thought would happen. I thought Uriah Hall was gonna figure it out by the third round, but me we both too. thought late, late, late into the fight. So, yeah, yeah, Uriah Hall, even happier about the PMP. That was a plus part of my night.
0: Definitely, and it ended up ballooning all the way up to plus two to ten by closing lines. So you know, I was hitting that again game day. Like, oh, hold hold on, real quick. Let me put another little bit. Let me put a little bit. Ended up cashing out well throughout the night, getting some of those big dogs to come through. If you were on the... If you got anything left with those guys... No, no, no. If you put big money on the 170-pound division, you made it in the biggest underdog of the night, Tristan Connolly versus Michelle Pereira. The gasser himself. We told you there's going to be a time where he gasses out. And he's going to be in a whole lot of trouble. Didn't think Conley was going to be just big enough because he was moving up for 155. But he weathered that first round storm. And, I mean, Pereira was sucking gas after, what, 2 minutes, 50 seconds into that first round? But there was an entire dance-off. There was cut scenes of him in the training room throwing four flying knees in a row. Five flying knees, then throwing a capoeira kick. If you... We're live betting this. and it was just like, hey, guys, this guy's gas. This guy's ridiculous. His coaches came out with a dance. Uh, uh. <laughs> did you happen to catch any of uh, that?
1: All of it. I would say it was the meaning of called blowing your wad. The uh, whole time. 100%. Who dance, did flips inside the octagon. He was disrespectful to Tristan Conley. And you got caught. You got caught and you look like shit. That fight wasn't even close. Tristan won everywhere. And I will never... I will stay away from Michelle fights from this point forward. If I see him walking out like an a-hole, that'll be right. But it's it, it's already locked by then. But I'll stay away from his fights. I don't trust him. Something's off with that. Like, that. that's crazy shit.
0: I think he he might specifically, because he's so flashy, the UFC likes to put, put these guys in advantageous um, positions. <laughs> Mike Perry. So yeah, that they get me. a career. This type of guy does that. Even though it was a jackass backflip he threw in there, it will be on a highlight reel for years and years. Like, look at what this guy did, and he lost the fight. It
1: only, to me, would be a good thing to put on a highlight reel if he did something cool afterward. Otherwise, it's just embarrassing.
0: So, there's all sorts of ways to win a fight and lose a fight. And that's one of those ways that a lot of young fighters that are thinking at times, it's all about the flash. Fundamentals. Tristan Connolly used fundamentals to win that fight. He didn't go above and beyond. He blocked, 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 said he was going to wait, and then capitalized. Took him down easy, held him where he wanted to, and ground and pound. Love the performance. Good for him. I'm super excited. I don't know how far at 55 Connolly's going to have some other tough opponents, but hey, this is what you get. This is what's the beauty of the sport. One day you can be flipping burgers, the next day, I don't think he was doing that. I think he was working in MMA as a pro for a while in Canada. So either way, uh, just that's the option. On five days notice, you can all of a sudden be a uh, Rocky Story in the UFC in five days. You can go from serving Pat Cummings lattes at freaking Starbucks and in five days fighting Cormier for the belt. So it happens in our sport, and that's Pretty amazing. What other What other sports does that really happen in? Mm. Boxing.
1: I feel like every sport probably has a story of it.
0: Football. There was a guy who was homeless (laughs) going to the football camp. I saw. And I think like
1: Dennis Rodman was like a maid at a hotel or something before he got the call to basketball. Obviously, he was a star and stuff when he was young, but he had a time that he... Right.
0: But we don't have MMA youth programs yet. So it's like, there is... We will eventually... There's already governments funding MMA, mainly Eastern European countries, but that's a whole different subject. Anything left with these guys? No. I thought it was over forever ago. Um, (laughs) We had a crazy absolute outcome. We told you guys about Todd Duffy. You can't trust him. There's a reason. I put money all over Hughes. Had money on Hughes. He actually cost me a lot as well on DraftKings because I thought in that second round, it would have been a TKO. Guaranteed it would have been a TKO because uh, Duffy was like, I can't. I'm seeing double. I'm seeing double. And... Anytime you say anything like that, and then didn't rub his eye, didn't even blink it, was just like, I got eye poked, I'm seeing double, I need more time, and then the ref called it.
1: Um, and he was trying to whip his dick out, pulling his pants down, like, in front, because his pants were so tight, he couldn't fucking breathe, you guys. Really? It wasn't an eye poke. It, he was gassed.
0: Oh, yes. That's he what we, was, were, betting on. That's like what we a, were betting on. gassed
1: like a... Gas station in Florida during a hurricane. <laughs> he didn't have no more gas.
0: None, and he needed a way out, and he found one. They couldn't yeah, find he ruined footage.
1: everything, and now he looks like a fool. They
0: couldn't find footage of an eye poke, where they usually no. are like, "Oh look, look," and they actually showed a kick that could have been it. And Duffy was like, "Oh no, that kick didn't even land." Like Duffy himself was like, "No, that kick didn't land. He poked me in the eye." No, Boo. no. Boo so, Duffy. Boo so on you. Betting against Duffy from now on. on I'm betting Duffy.
1: Get on out of here. If he gets
0: another shot, put money against him. But I agree. It's time. It is time, my friend. Then we had a Glover Teixeira. A A Glover Teixeira. Coming through again, telling you he's beating these guys with gas issues. And again, it played out the exact same way we were saying. He weathered the storm in the first round. Then Krylov couldn't defend. Off of the ground, couldn't get back up. And just steadily... Got taken over 30-27 all over the boards. Maybe a 29-28. I couldn't see that first round going to Krylov, but that was about it. Tashera, I'm not liking the damage he's taking against these young guys because there's no title contention on the horizon, and it's nothing but monsters. So, as we're saying with other guys, this is a heartfelt, like, get to coaching. It's time, my friend. But there's no... You don't have a belt in your future, and it's like, you can make money doing other Wasn't stuff. Wasn't he still the underdog? He, I think, closed as a slight underdog by five that,
1: to me, says that there's um, still some young men in this division that need to be taught a lesson. Woo! <laughs> he just looked okay everywhere. Yeah. I mean, everybody was high on Nikita Krolov still, so I feel like there's uh, still some room for it to share a... Uh, to win a few more fights and exploit some of these young cats who think they're going to go in there. You were just talking about somebody not being able to go against a well-rounded guy. I think Glover Teixeira is somebody who is uh, such a well-rounded guy. What? He's just good everywhere. So I think that will cause some problems still in a division that lacks some not well-rounded guys.
0: Then we had the main event at 155 pounds, Justin Gaethje coming in over Donald Cerrone, TKO, round number one. Thought it was going to go a little bit longer, all the way into the second round was my prediction. Boy, was I wrong. It did not make it that far. Four minutes, 18 seconds into the first. I mean, it was a Justin Gaethje game plan, not even game plan, Um, just... Sportsbook, like, you could see his entire book of him and his coach going through, like, you're going to throw this, this, and this, and they're going to land. Everything landed for Gaethje. He took minimal damage. And Cerrone's, again, quick turnaround could be affecting him. I mean, he's not the youngest of guys, and he's taking these fights like he's a young man. And, yes, still take super fights, but, yeah, still back off and just give your time to heal. He was just blatantly, she was blatantly beaten up by... Tony Ferguson, with a quick turnaround against such a devastating opponent. I don't like what Gaethje's saying is he's the hardest hitter in there and all that stuff because that goes back to that meathead mentality. If he goes back to setting his feet and throwing combinations like he did against Donald Cerrone, he's going to be a hard fight for anybody in there. But that hype train's getting behind him. Do you hear any of that talk?
1: Uh, I hear him trying to exert himself into the Habib. Right title talks and I hear certain people ushering him into like he's one of the only people who can beat Khabib and I just feel like I call that bullshit I call that bullshit Um, don't try to get ahead of Tony Ferguson Uh, you weren't KO'd in there not too long ago and maybe for Justin Gaethje next I don't mind him getting like the winner of Habib versus Tony. Totally. So I think maybe a fight. So he is between.
0: a oh, so he is the number two or three guy in there?
1: Yeah. Connor he's keeps
0: be. Well so put, of course Connor, and I hate I even said that, but um you just gotta fight he's not doing that, so his tweets are being just thrown by the wayside. I don't think I think it's pretty unanimous that nobody People cares. are
1: calling for the Dustin Poirier Connor rematch
0: i Connor. Anyone, Connor versus a paper Conor bag.
1: anyone gets him the title shot right away, <laughs> because that's the world we live in. But he has to fight someone. I do not want to see him against Habib at all, at all until he wins a fight. And then I'm like, okay, let's do it. I don't want to watch him do the Stipe thing. Where it's
0: the I agree. Long. I totally agree, especially with this long of a layoff. So that whole division up. In Flames, there's all sorts of fire matchups. Doesn't matter yeah, who it is. It's the best. You got all sorts of fights you can make. Throw them all in a bucket, scrambling them around, and uh, every matchup is going to be high level. We're going to be watching. But you know why we're here? This week, we're going all the way to not even the mile high, like the two-and-a-half-mile-high city in Mexico City. We'll get Mexico better, city. you
1: guys, about fitting it into 15 minutes. We will. It's a break. But we will get better for all those people, uh, just so if you do stick with us, uh, like our hardcores, we're constantly tweaking the format. Um, so, yeah, the first 15 minutes, I, we know we went like 7 over, 8 over. Give us a break. Give me a break. <laughs> break me off a piece of that Kit Kat bar. Sorry. Go back to it.
0: So, as you were saying, though, the format changing a little bit. We love our diehards. We've been having quite a few as of late. And one of them we want to profile, giving a shout out to at N-U-Gristle. Let me look. I'm horrible. New Gristle. New Gristle.
1: N-U underscore Gristle. Underscore you always have to say the underscore. So, yeah.
0: Is it Doyer? Dior? Dior. Dior? <laughs> <laughs> shout out, buddy. Thanks for the love. We're hearing it out there. We got a legion definitely accumulating accumulating out there. They've been sticking around, making those fat stacks for a while, at the very least, enjoying the content. I think we put a pretty good show out there. We make it fun. Get dirty in there. And it's going to be a dirty one. In Mexico City, all the way in elevation, people have been talking about it for a while. We like to talk about all these back narratives, all these things that matter. And elevation is it. When people say, I went to Denver, hey, you're still a mile underneath where you're going to be fighting. So that does nothing for you. So there is some fighters that flew in the week of, and there's a lot of others that have been there two to three weeks. We'll get into those. We'll figure those out. But it is just one of those things that in general, I feel like if you look at the output as a whole in these type of scenarios, the output's a lot lower for fighters just because they're sucking in air most of the time. But we've seen crazy upsets because people are also like, I'm so gassed, look, they knocked me out. And you see people get murked because they can't yeah. breathe. Yeah. They, they can't breathe. So we have all sorts of potential, all sorts of fun matchups. It's going to be a 12 card bout highlighted in the 100 and 45-pound division with Yair Rodriguez versus Jeremy Stevens. But you know how we like to do We always start from the bottom to the top, where Claudio Puelas is coming in against Marco Mariano. We've seen both of these fighters in the UFC already. The 6-5 and five Mariano, I believe, came in short notice over Lando Venata. We all you saw it what? coming I'm seven sorry months to interrupt.
1: ago. I just have to say something about tabology real fast. Please. You know those lists that they make that is like favorite fighter, favorite fighter at 125, favorite fighter at 205, favorite welterweight, favorite whatever. I cannot change it on any of my devices unless I go on a real computer, which I'm like, I have to blow blow off this whole fucking <laughs> Desktop. <thing. Yeah. laughs> I, I don't even touch that thing anymore. So I have to... Go and change it. And some of them I was looking. So if you don't follow us on Tapology, it's Zoltan or Zoltanite. At Zoltanite, same as my Twitter. Same as Twitter for both of us. Um, And I'm at Weakneck Baby. You can follow us on Tapology. And you can follow all of our picks where we stick our money where our mouth is. You can see them out there as far back as you want to look. But some of the stuff that I have is embarrassing.
0: We all do. That's the betting life.
1: No, no, no. I'm not talking about the bets. Oh, okay. I'm talking about...
0: Your favorite fighters? Yes.
1: Yes. It probably says like Ronda Ronda Rousey. Rousey,
0: Best male favorite fighter. Yeah, it's like (laughs) person
1: that doesn't get enough shine. Ronda Rousey. I don't know if it really says that. But it's picks that I was going through that I was just i still like, ooh, I don't even feel that way at all about most of the people on there. Anyways, I wish I could change that. and I wish it was more accessible. Tapology, if you're listening. Okay, go on. Sorry.
0: As I was saying, we saw Mariano come in against Lando Venata short notice. Everybody saw it being a big favorite. A reason why. This is mainly a Muay Thai striker. Again, didn't have to go far back into his tape study. he be like, oh, I remember this guy. See him fight seven months ago. He's... Likes to keep it standing. Has minimal takedown defense. Venado was able to get him down to the ground with various knee picks and just low-level takedown attempts. The D1 wrestler in there. But once on the ground, Mariano didn't really have much other than holding the guard and trying to hold him tight. No real escape. So on the ground, humongous deficiencies for Mariano. And I just don't see him being a UFC-caliber fighter. Against Puelas, who came in as 8-2, the Peruvian fighter, from Lima, Peru specifically, is going to be potentially fighting at elevation. Peru's pretty high up there, is it not? I'm pretty sure. So I feel like he, it might not be as bad. I don't know the exact dynamic. Brazil, though, too, could have high and low spots. Right, but it's very specific areas. And Lima, Peru, I know, is one of the higher places, as if I'm, again, speculation, but I watched Puylis's fights in the UFC. The last one he had against Felipe Silva where he won via knee bar. This was a comeback fight. 10-7 second round with these new judging scorecards. Dropped two or three times where Mazzagati would have been proud, where Mazagati would have been like, let him die. die." (laughs) Not really, it was a lot of body shots. There was a lot of body shots that would drop him, but he would completely crumple over, go dead body, and then turn over barely to block a few punches and be wobbled multiple times striking. I mean, Playlist's is striking is uh, very looping. He throws from his hips, so a striker does have an advantage on him, but with Playlist as well, uh, his ground game is where he likes to get it done. He likes to roll for the legs, but he doesn't have good takedowns. He will also jump back and drop for guard and drop for the legs, which I absolutely hate. It's the worst way you can do it because if a guy sits down hard, he can land hammer fists that'll knock you down from that position. And Playlist is a guy who takes damage. So this is a super risky fight. Super, super risky. But what I did see out of the more devastating deficiencies out of both of these young fighters. I feel like the less the one with worst deficiencies is Mariano on the ground, even though he is better striking here. Um, Playlist will throw with power, but it's just crazy uh, madman skills. I got submission round number one. This is Stay Away for a reason, but I am going to have to have some exposure to Playlist, I feel like, because I do see a finish here, but that could go either way. Probably stay away is going to be the best call. That's usually a rule around here. I have submission round number one. Playlist, who do you have in this fight?
1: It's something new. I'm working into the, you know, I'm going to stay away. But for anyone I feel like that's going to go heavy on it, remember what we've seen happen time and time again. I think 2019 has been the year of the mad underdog. So it's like the most underdoggest on the card. The last two. Like if you look at your DraftKings lineup... Um, by who's gonna get the most amount of points or who's worth the most? The very last two fighters, six nine seven one six eight, they've been winning the fights. They've been winning every time, every time. Not with all the fights going on, but these first two fights, these first two fights, there we've had somebody that has a ton of hype and then an unknown, this unknown fighter. So anyway, or you know, even the prelims, I should say. I'm going to go with Puelos because everybody must know something that I don't. I'm looking at the win-lose record of the guys. I'm saying that Marcos probably doesn't have a great ground game. Uh, he's gotten submitted. Puelos is submits people. But Andy's a young guy. He's probably learned a lot since then. It was like, what, his second fight in the UFC?
0: First fight, I believe, in the UFC. Was it was First second? fight he lost, nope.
1: second one he won. Correct. Yeah. Uh. So I'm gonna go submission round one as well, and I probably will have a tad of exposure. Um. But I might do like a cheap card and put Mariano on it just for shits. Like
0: I a really totally little cheap agree. Card. Hey, wh- I feel like I've said it before, but one of my strategies that I feel like it'll cash me at times is. Hedging those bets. I'll do it on one card. I won't do 5 or 10 or 15, but just so I get that itch off where I'm like, did I play that guy? And, again, I agree with you. Mariano's one of those guys that all of a sudden we're like, oh, of course, both of these guys are bad. You only need one
1: fight to literally hedge your bets. Correct. Like, one fight comes through good with a weird person like that that affords you all these... Pretty secure, where you're like, I feel 70% and above about these wins. Right, right. Um, and this little wackadoo, I'm going to throw this wackadoo pick on here.
0: Those are the ones that. Which I would say, as well, with the minus 240 favorite in playlist, he's just too low level Doing to be that confident. I
1: bet um, another category, because another thing with DraftKings that you and I were discussing is they have that new uh, Rambo pick.
0: Correct, which it hasn't officially dropped. I was actually trying to do some research as how they're going to do it. It's going to be like I imagine, plus one fighter. I don't know if you've
1: done the baseball or football or basketball I've one. tried
0: the football one and okay. the basketball one. Uh,
1: well, it, I imagine it's going to be the same where you're going to have one fighter that costs you like two times the amount, but you'll get two times two point five the amount of points or something like that. Right, where you'll right, get right. one guy that'll be a multiplier. Uh, which we like to use as our linchpin. I think that would be a good one. But it's not always and our linchpin's never one of the more expensive guys. Because no. the linchpin's a guy you need to that middle of the road guy that you need to afford on everything. And that is how I think these usually work out. Unless it's like LeBron James when you're playing basketball where it's a guy head and shoulders over better with points than the other guys. Right. Um but uh, yeah, I think it'll be interesting.
0: So what I don't agree with here is the huge favorite in Puelis. Again, there's too many variables at this lower level of fights. And 9,000 on DraftKings for Poilus against Mariano, 7,200. I think the line is off here. Even though I'm sided with the favorite finishing the first round, I, you just can't. Be that confident on either guy. I am. I'm gonna fight.
1: make a new stamp for us, like a bet hedger. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be like bushes. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I like that. So no exposure. Or wait, you? We already went over yeah. that. On to 135 pounds, we have your girl, my girl, your girl, Sajara, Sergio <laughs> Banks, your birds, favorite girls. Betch go ahead. This is the most hated M.F. in the UFC for ladies. The W MMA. Don't M-M-M. you think they're
1: competing? <laughs> like this might be the fight people are cheering on,
0: Betch? Oh man, this is just.
1: Don't you think they're like equal up there?
0: This is so weird because I do think that these women get a certain level of criticism from the MMA community, but they bring it on themselves. And there needs to be a belt behind this. If we're making a bad mother effort. We're liking, like in like. <laughs> <laughs> what is it gonna be named? <laughs> I ain't making a one. <laughs> These are your girls. <laughs> These are our favorite girls. We got Sajara Sarge Eubanks against Betchy. Go oh, hey ya. Yeah. The dancing queen in there herself. bull coming in there with a 10-4 record. I think that record. you
1: need a, like, a picture of whoever wins this fight right there. <laughs> a, in a little frame. heart. Yeah. Or a little heart frame.
0: <laughs> the 10-4 fighter is coming in with a three-fight losing streak. That home TKO was overturned. No, it wasn't. That was a Jessica Isaac decision. Eyes- is for the battle of your decision. heart. <laughs> that it is. That it is. And that's what's... I'm going to be biased here where I'm not going to know who to pick because I'm like, I want them both to lose. <laughs> <laughs> Not really Typical, typical dude <laughs> So We got Bechko uh, coming in with a basic striking We know what she does Throws one and two bunch combinations We'll run in we, If anything we've seen her back off a little bit more Especially getting knocked out The last few times that she has um, We've seen her be even more tentative She does throw a lot of output We'll even throw in an occasional low kick But zero grappling If it's there it's rudimentary at best we have seen her being able to get up. She has a good gas tank, but um, this is one of those low-level type of fighters who's just hype got her to different levels, and now that she's fighting lower-level, just other fighters, we're really seeing it. Her name got her to where she is potentially. Sajara Eubanks also coming in with a ton of hype, having all sorts of, uh believe, what was it, uh, purple or blue belt credentials that she ended up winning um, some high grappling key stuff where it hasn't really translated as much into the MMA world. Her being four and three, having some serviceable striking. She's 34 years old. She's been jumping around camps. I know she was at ATT for a while. Though. I don't know where she's at specifically now. But she has worked on her um, actual cardio. But she's one of these fighters who multiple times, habitually, has missed weight. And she's even moved up. And I feel like she had issues moving up in weight. Um, I, even when she won her jiu-jitsu, I think she was at like 165 pounds. So she's really changed it. But there's just cardio issues that have been a problem. She has a good, though, takedown for Zajara Eubanks. She does have a good double leg, single leg. If she gets into the ground, she has a big advantage. I don't care who you are. Against Betch Kohea, you're going to have an advantage. It's just Betch has... Good enough defense to keep it striking somewhat, and if you don't have a good gas tank, she can eventually keep it on the feet. Even with that, I'm not too scared of the power for Betch uh, against the Jari Eubanks. I've seen her in there against better strikers and just do uh, absolutely fine. On the ground, again, there's a big advantage. Give me Eubanks. I was thinking decision just because I don't like this fight at all. But the more I think about it, if it goes to the ground even once, I think Sarge can actually lock up a submission, rear naked choke, something basic. You're not going to see anything crazy, but it will be something meticulous that, again, we've just never really seen from Betch because people are always like, I can beat her striking. Why would I need to go to the ground with her? And most people do.
1: Do you think at all? So we're not even worried about Sanjara, whether or not she fills up her... uh, this weight discrepancy. But uh Betch comes in big as fuck too. She always is I'm saying the F word a lot today. Me too. I hope you're not letting your kids listen to this one.
0: Oh by far no we're a gambling podcast. (laughs) We we are definitely entertainment out here. No, 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 no. We're you got how you can't even bet. You you gotta be eighteen and above.
1: So don't let your small goats listen to this podcast. Uh, (laughs) Um bet Sinjara the it seemed like the UFC didn't like her. Yeah. And then she got this fight, and I think, oh, this is a setup fight. This is a setup fight for Sinjara to do just what you said. And I actually am going to put Eubank submission round, two. I think she slowly picks her apart, and Betch gives up. I do think a combination of Sinjara's hands are going to come together. We've seen her gas tank be an issue before, but she has enough professional UFC fights. It shouldn't be an issue at this point, plus the extra weight not having to cut down. I hope we see... Sinjara really step it up and be able to make works of Bechko Kohea. She's the perfect person for a 135er to put on their resume. And that's really all she amounts to anymore.
0: So as we were saying, we're going to be high in elevation. We have issues with Sinjara. Is this one of those that oh you're saying? Oh my gosh.
1: This fight could be slow ago, a slow ago. And- on both women's fault
0: part. I feel like we always play this heavy and it was a matter of time, but there is certain fighters that are only fighting here because they are fighting here. Because again, USADA, Jeff Davinsky is nowhere to be found in here. They call him Mexican supplements for a reason. So do not think that <laughs> <All> supplements. <laughs> <laughs> so do not think that you don't have fighters from Brazil being like, we're gonna be in Mexico? Let's go, baby. Let's go. That's gonna play later on in the card. I guarantee it. I'm gonna be talking about that later. But I like what you're saying on DraftKings, the decided favorite. Minus 270, Sajaru Eubanks, 9,100 against Betch 7,100, Ooh. the plus 210 underdog. I think this is a lot like the first fight we were talking about. But here, I'm actually much more confident than I would be in Playlist. And as I would play Mariano, I would not play Betch because I'm that confident that she's not a big scorer. Agree,
1: but don't you also think you don't play her, but you don't want to go heavy with Eubanks because Betch has that kind of juju that'll, like, jinx your night. Uh, like, she has that kind she, of where she you're she like, really Bitch! Bitch!
0: True, she'll <laughs> like, start dancing in there and Eubanks something. will be sucking air. And you're like, Eubanks is beating herself. And you're like, I should have fucking known. I should have fucking yeah, known. and it'll just it's be a true. grind out a a on
1: strong the last two minutes of the second round and then wins round three-handedly yeah. just by peppering five more shots.
0: This is a greasy ass fight. Oh,
1: yeah, it could be really eye rolling. It could be eye rolling, irritating. But I so, do think you, Bang, she'd pepper it. And maybe you put Betch on one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because it's if bitch. we're going to do it. it because this bitch always yeah. comes through. You know how she does it in there. We're going to get some sort of highlights. We're going to get some fun stare downs. Again, we always like to talk about weigh ins. This is one of those that I am. I'm going to. Be watching more closely. I watch everything closely. Who am I lying to? <laughs> Sometimes
1: <laughs> yeah. what we haven't said, like, this is where you make a sandwich. Yeah. I don't think... Maybe in the last part, but the first... Part, I think this could be good to go. It could be a quick finish. Well,
0: this is where I'm going to say this is where I'm watching all these vlogs because they are going to talk to you, Banks, and Betch Coheia, And they're going to say, it's hot. This has been, you know, it's, it's weird breathing up here. They're going to give us hints and stuff. So, definitely, if you let... Let us know. Hit us up on Twitter. Let us know if you see, see what, what we're you thinking. See. Exactly. See
1: what you see. All of our eyes can work together and we can help each other out.
0: The truth. The um, truth. Uh,
1: real quick about the graphics for conspiracy minded people, for people that are into, you know, Mexico, obviously, very Mexican looking, very prideful. Mm-hmm. Uh, for conspiracy people, eagle versus serpent. Eagle versus serpent. Uh, if you are conspiracy minded and you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, that's a rabbit hole. You're welcome. You're welcome. Go on. Sorry. I like where you're going with that. (laughs) Definitely. And I don't mean about this fight. I was just talking about the graphics.
0: (laughs) The graphics. Getting a good shout out in there. (laughs) Loving the graphics, by the way. Love all of the art. Definitely been showing up since the beginning. Labby's always had pristine freaking graphics out there. On to 205 pounds. We have Paul Craig coming in against Vinicius Moreira. We were just talking about a greasy fight. The first fight's a greasy fight. I mean, you're going to be lubed up as much as Macho Man Randy Savage with all that baby oil. You're going to be greasy as shit. Woo! (laughs) So, it is going to be intense in here.
1: And I'm sorry ahead of time, but we just set off the bird. (laughs) (laughs) Great point. (laughs) That's for the extra hardcores.
0: (laughs) So, this one is going to be all sorts of fun when we have the bear Jew coming in as All sorts of an underdog all the time. The 11-4 fighter has come in and been one of the biggest underdogs of the year against so many fighters as of late losing to Jimmy Crute, Alenzo Menafield in there, but beating the prospect Kennedy Zenjuku again in that patented triangle choke. If you go to the ground with Paul Craig, you can have issues, and it is because he is tall at 6'4 in there. I know a lot of guys...
1: Except you know who didn't have an issue? Uh...
0: Crute! The, the brute crude.
1: What? Son of a crude. What? That doesn't even... It's because he does not nearly have the strength
0: that... Uh, off yeah. has. But what I've actually liked from Paul Craig, I've been a hater of his as... For a while. I haven't really (laughs) liked what I've seen from Paul Craig, but he has come through on some key wins against some younger guys or just uh, key mistakes on people. People on the ground, he does have that flash submission ability, but I've actually liked Paul Craig's jab as of late. I've actually liked his right hand. Going back and watching that last fight he had against, was it Menafield two months ago? Uh, It was a TKO. I don't like he's turning around so quickly, uh, but it wasn't horrible. I thought that... uh, Paul Craig has a faster double leg takedown and single leg shot than I thought. He got Menafield to the ground, and even the exchanges he had with Menafield were outrageous. He didn't look um, out of his league, he didn't look like he didn't know how to throw punches. Striking has come along, and I think that's a lot to say for me on Craig because I've been nothing but detrimental against him against Vinicius, who is 9-3, coming in the UFC and getting two losses in a row against Alonzo Manafield as well in a TKO. And then as of late, letting Eric Ondas, your boy, keep his job in there, getting finished in two months ago. Both of these guys are in the same boat, viciously being knocked out. Is that his nickname? Did I just throw that in there? Oh, no. Mutate. So. (laughs) Vinicius in there, again, we were, I I was really critical of him a lot of the time as well. Doesn't have good striking, doesn't have good takedowns, and is a BJJ ace coming out of Brazil. Little bit of a padded record. He was able to get it to the ground with looping strikes in there. And once he's on the ground, he's able to beat regional guys. Some of them were good at submission. some of them not. Um, I do think that Paul Craig has much more experience against higher level guys and has been able to pull off a couple wins where Vinicius hasn't and has still shown uh, just a lack of striking uh, ability that's grown. But at 30 years old, he can still, he can be, he can show me something with Paul that Paul Craig showed me. Again, this is out of the States. Vinicius, I just feel like out of the two would be the more out of the two Too beyond the juice. I don't know why I'm thinking that. We'll have to wait to see weigh-ins. But I'm giving this a coin flip. I think that the odds are right. It's pretty much near even. Gimme Paul Craig, though, I think the better all-around fighter is Paul Craig. But they both have that submission potential. But, again, the more well-rounded fighter, gimme Paul Craig, decision right now. I don't know how much exposure I have to these guys. It's a dirty one.
1: Uh, Paul Crack's just a little better everywhere. Uh, so I think Vinicius is going to try to go in for his huge takedowns that could work against a lesser fighter, but Paul Craig is, uh, better with them. He's going to catch up a cinch up a neck a little quicker. And I think, but I actually, I have Paul Craig by knockout. I don't know what the, if you're going to make a prop bet on it, I bet you that'll be a little higher than by submission, but I just think he has the better hands. And if both guys ground game stifle each other, um, he's going to catch him maybe with an uppercut. Uh, or a double straight right, maybe. Um, Yeah, like I'm picturing it. I like it. it. I like Paul Craig for the finish here, but I just don't know if Vinicius has ever been UFC caliber, really. Uh, And Paul Craig is like teetering there. If he was in a different division like the 170 or 155, uh, he probably wouldn't be.
0: I totally agree. Um, Again, ask that question. I didn't. Oh, (laughs) I was just going to say, sorry, Uh, lost my train of thought. I thought I heard the door open, that African Craig going crazy back there. So uh, with this, uh, I like what you're saying. The better all-around fighter is going to be Craig. The finish, it's tough. I I like it. He's been finishing better fighters. Moreira, that's what I was going to say. His back's against the wall here. This is his pink slip, right? Like, he's got to win this fight
1: maybe in a lesser division or maybe maybe in a fine. different division but 205s a week it just doesn't have a lot of depth yeah depth yet it's it's getting better but i i was just a little irritated at how dead on the odds are I can't believe you're right on with the odds it's being right. right on. Paul Craig should be the slight favorite here, but just like a spit worth. Like a spit worth. If they were scales, you'd spit on Paul Craig's scale and it would just be a mm-hmm. tiny bit It'd have to be a really good scale.
0: You'd have to take your really sweaty underwear off.
1: Unless you were like one of those nasty motherfuckers that did this.
0: Like, <sighs>
1: <laughs> hey, hey, hey.
0: <laughs> <laughs> thank you for so that.
1: Paul Craig. I got KO round two. I think both guys are going to be wheezing if it goes into round three. So, it, immediately after the second round's over, it's going to be a decision. But I think Paul Craig has it either way.
0: On DraftKings, you're going to end up paying $8,300 for Vinicius Moreira against Paul Craig's 7900 Obviously, you're going to be betting Paul Craig in that spot, especially if you see the finish. I'm going to go probably 30%. For Paul Craig and probably zero One for my rare round.
1: About Paul Craig that I don't like here is how two months ago his brutal knockout. Both
0: of them two months ago.
1: Oh yeah, all both right. Both of them. That's Three why it's even money noise. on there. Spread the like, noise.
0: Exactly. So it's a even playing field as far as as that is. I don't know who was more devastatingly knocked out though. I Feel like they both went down pretty nasty. Hard. Yeah, nasty. Both of them exactly. So definitely Paul Craig is going to be the option in that spot. Moving on to 125 pounds, fly bay, we have Sergio Perez, also known as Baby Perez amongst the fans, against Tyson Nam. Nam, being a debuting fighter, 18-9, and 9, he's fought everywhere in every organization, has some key wins, knocking out Ali Baghiatinov in a nasty head kick. Um, definitely, Nam's one of these guys that I've heard his name for years, honestly. He's coming out of that Portland scene in the Pacific Northwest. And it's this Nam? Because I hear that
1: name a lot. Uh, Like, it's the Smith. Like like, like Nam Fam? Yeah. Nam. Nam. So,
0: it is this one, just also because of that Portland scene. So, I've just known guys that are like, ah, this guy's so good. But he has had some key wins in there, beating some, uh... Guys with veteran records, Fam hasn't just fought scrubs in there. He's beating guys on winning records. Yes, he has some scrubs in there. They're not UFC caliber, but that's what happens when you're not fighting in the UFC. You're gonna have some advantageous short notice replacements type of stuff. But Fam tends to be a striker. Uh, he does have a. It's really interesting because he has a 500 record. I I do think there was a fight that this is somewhat of a short-notice replacement. I don't have that screen up right now. I'm sure I'll be able to pull it up um, to get into that, but Fam likes to keep it striking. He likes to go to the body well, goes to the head, he'll throw a kick off of his brakes as well. He caught Baguio Tinoff by actually doing some good lateral movement and throwing the kick right at the end of the round. And, I mean, he caught him clean. He was out having I think one submission, so Fam doesn't like to go to the ground at all whatsoever you don't have to worry about that with him he likes to just keep it striking but in there lies his detriment where he will end up losing uh rounds just because he doesn't care to make it a mixed martial arts bout he kind of wants to keep it up and striking he's a short notice replacement for alex perez who fell out due to injury so this is why so there's no way that fame was getting ready for a three-round fight in Mexico City. I don't care how long. I don't. He's still moving probably there a week ahead of time at the luckiest because UFC's only going to pay so much because then you got to pay room and board. So this is something that has to play into there. Sergio Pettis has fought in these type of places before. He is somebody who is always being talked about as kind of that gatekeeper for the top 15, top 20-ish. Some at times have said he was going to be the better Pettis. Some say that he has not proven that, and he has had some interesting wins and losses in there, for sure. Coming in with a 17-5 and record, losing to Rob Fon as of late in a decision, also losing to Formiga, but also getting wins over um, only losing a decision to Cejudo, but winning a split decision over Cejudo, which, or Benavides, I mean, which is very controversial, but either way, Baby Pettis Kind of having his back to the wall at 125 pounds. I feel like at this weight, they do cut fighters quickly. And three in a row for anyone, even with namesake, is pretty tough in there. He likes to keep it striking as well. He will throw the occasional takedown in there. He has high output. Again, that elevation might play a role, but I think it's going to affect. Again, Nam Harder, the better game plan tends to be for Pettis. If you want a point fight, which was what usually FAM does or Nam does, that's who. That's what Sergio Pettis is like. Cool. This is gonna be even easier because I've been doing this my entire life. Again, with that Taekwondo background, just Perez should be a decided favorite here for a reason. He should, and he is. Three to one is a little bit high, but just everything stacked against him. Nam's gonna be like, you give me another fight, right? And they're like, yep. Tristan Connolly was just in this boat. I just don't know if I necessarily see the power there for Nam as much. As much as for Connolly or the game plan. Like you had a reckless man where Sergio Pettis, you know, he's going to have a game plan. He's going to be.
1: And he's old as fuck a young man's division.
0: 35 years old for now? Um,
1: literally um, less than a month away from being 36.
0: He's been fighting forever.
1: So he's a decade older than Baby Pettis, too. And Baby Pettus has how many more UFC fights? Baby Pettus, yeah, his record seems like if you're looking at it from far, he's lost three of his last five fights against Slayers, against the top five guys in the division. Right. So he's only been fighting legends since he's been in the game, and he's still so young Uh, I still wouldn't say that he won't wear the belt one day for Sergio he has everything that it should take to put it on that we're talking about well-rounded I think he's a well-rounded fighter Uh, he should have this fight here Um, I'm gonna go with decision because we typically don't see these fights really End and finish. Too many finishes. Right. Uh, but it should be a performance by Baby Pettis. And he's a small enough guy. He should lay out enough points that he's worth it, even if he's three to one. So he should be like
0: 9,300 three? ah! on DraftKings for the decided 285 minus 285 favorite against short notice replacement NAM, 6,900 plus 225. Right now, I think the odds have even increased a little bit more for Pettis' favor. It's all right. But I am going to say, that I do think the odds are off here as far as DraftKings. The betting lines are right, but for that price tag, especially where we're going to be fighting at, I think that for the decision, I don't see him be getting close enough to that 9,300 or 93 points essentially to be paying it off. I think Pettis does win, but I think he gets the average 55, 9, 60 points he gets. And Not at 9, worth
1: 3. It. That means he needs a finish. He
0: neither needs, of us see that. Neither of us. So if there's even a percentage of being held here. It's going to be like 10% or lower on Pettis. But I don't see myself being having too much exposure on DraftKings to like, this fight. not
1: worth it. Uh, that would be what my stamp would
0: say on this guy. Definitely. Moving on. 215 pounds. We have a strawweight bout in Angela Hill coming in against short notice replacement Adrian Karolossi. Kerlossi being 12-1, and they're only losing her debut via decision, I believe. I could be wrong on that. But as of late, really been coming on with a 12-fight winning streak, getting a ton of KOs in here. I, as I was saying before, the PEDs were going to come right up, and I can't even start to break down this fight without saying, if she fights in the state, she pops. Immediately. As soon as I saw it when she was fighting in the regional scene, I'm like, I'm not going to say it again, (laughs) but someone might just be wearing a wig in South America. My bet might be coming through in South America. She's all muscled up in there. I mean.
1: You're saying you're going to get the money back that's Chad (laughs) Mendez?
0: So, definitely bodied up in there. Are it's you a saying joke. That shit?
1: <laughs> I thought that shit too. And her hair, she looks like she's from like a 70s or 80s movie or something. She's
0: an extra from Stranger Things. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh,
1: she's the guy with the leather jacket.
0: Yes. Yes. <laughs> she's yes. the guy that
1: turned into a, like I don't the monster, think, the cool guy. Spoilers. Yeah.
0: She's <laughs> shredded. Absolutely shredded in there. Comes she makes Jessica Andraj look like puny. A hundred percent. The 5-2 fighter in here is bodied up in there. Uh, if this was in the States, potentially, I would be more off. Well, I'd be more off her. I just think that PEDs are going to play a role here because she's on everything and EPO, so you know her gas tank's going to be good. I did see her in a five-round fight where she went into the fourth round, got a TKO via Teep in there against Souza. There was some other promising... Finishes in there. She has a good clinch in there. We'll throw knees to it goes to the body well, throws a ton of output, throws a bunch of power into her punches, and just has a lot of uh, output. But again, her low level that she's been fighting at, of course, she's going to be able to finish some of these ladies. They do, some of them do have beneficial records, but nothing is in the category of Angela Overkill Hill. She's been on that tough house. She's been semi-title contender. She got Kicked out of the UFC, won the Invicta belt, got wrapped back in, and has still been spotty in a record nine and seven. We know what we're getting with Angela Hill. We keep thinking, I keep hoping that she's going to grow as a fighter and bring in more wrinkles to her game, bring in more grappling, really just show that she's an MMA fighter. But she just stays a Muay Thai striker in there. She likes to go to decision. Is a constant split decision queen in there, someone you always have to be hesitant on. She has a lot of output. I don't want to say she gasses because she throws a ton of output, but she does start slow and she doesn't finish well hard so it's not just really good you're just always like get into that next uh gear and she doesn't really have it so she's gonna be put on her back foot a lot i feel like with from a worst fighter but the pressure from the worst fighter is gonna make it a closer dirtier fight we've had been having greasy fights all night throw this one in there because i don't think you can be incredibly confident here the line shows it but I think the line could be even tighter just because of where we're at and intangibles here Angela Hill just not confident in but she should have the experience she should be able to just keep it on the outside and win a point fight but she's one of these type of fighters that you're like why are you doing this all of a sudden you're yelling at your tv so I'm gonna just big fat stay away from this one even though it's a debut fighter again I think the juice is loose and that's gonna play a big role too
1: I think the juice is loose, probably for. Uh, well, you said fourth round finish. Uh, no, 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 no.
0: Or wait, I did say fourth yeah, round finish for
1: Carnalossi. K- K- I gotta stick with what I know here. Angela Hill's gone against some of the best ladies in the world, and not that Carnalossi hasn't, but like you're saying, the juice has g- 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 gotta be loose. I just think that she's gonna be the one to gas here. Angela Hill has to have that some little tiny bit of Valentina hot sauce, a bit of cardio, like just a dribble-drabble of hot sauce cardio better than this girl. I gotta think it, uh, unless there's tons of EPO and everything else and she has this perfect cardio that she's just a machine, I would break Angela Hill. I,
0: again, it's the pills, it's not the skills.
1: Yeah, that's, but Angela Hill is like kind of a snooze fest when she fights. That's She stays in the outside and doesn't Really put enough work together where you feel like she's she's should be fighting with the best women in the world. Like it's like she is fighting the best women in the world. When you think Bellator women, there I mean when you add up the whole world, they're still the best women in the world. But right. best women in MMA, Angela Hill's just not making it to that top echelon for me of UFC. I don't know who this girl is. I have Hill decision, but I think this is stamp. Stay away.
0: Totally agreed.
1: Don't ride the hype train of this other girl
0: either. I don't know. I totally agree. Totally agree. It's going to be a stay away. The minus 140 favorite for Angela Hill is going to be 8,500 on DraftKings against Carlossi's plus 115, 7,700. I don't think you, I don't think, um, again, you should have too much exposure from this. Anything left with this greasy, dirty split?
1: Nope, as we always do with Angela Hill fights, overkilled. <laughs> <laughs> At
0: 145 pounds, we have Polo El Toro Reyes coming in against Kyle Nelson. The Canadians coming in with a 12 and 3 record. He is the monster. In the UFC, he has only lost with a record, losing to Diego Ferreira, which doesn't look that bad all of a sudden. Getting finished in there. He was a short notice replacement. But as of late, losing to Matt Salas in a submission arm triangle four months ago. But I loved going back to that. Had Salas in that fight. And Salas is doing sneaky work in there. People are underestimating him. He just actually had a really uh, good fight announced. Versus Bryce Mitchell. I believe it's in Florida. They're coming over here to Tampa. That's a fun fight, but Snell Salas being sneaky in there. People are sleeping on that guy. I'm telling you right now, um, in here against Kyle Nelson, putting good work striking. Nelson likes to keep it on the feet. He does have more of the grappling option in this specific matchup. Um, I- As far as the takedowns, he has the better ones. And as far as the ground game, he's the one who's more likely to use it. But that's because Polar Reyes doesn't care to strike at all. He is a boxer swinger in there. He's going to be a local Mexican favorite. He's on a two-fight losing streak coming off of some of the highest wins he's had in a long time in there with uh, uh. one Of the fights of the year against Troy, in there, but he's beat Jason Novelli, he's been in there against Vic and lost, uh, beat Frivola in a TKO, lost last to Dover in a left cross knockout. But what was really glaring about that two months ago was how Dober set that up with a ground attack. Dober completely beat, um, as did Everywhere. on the ground. Well, it was set up striking because. Reyes had nothing left. He ground and pounded him to a pulp, and then when they got back to striking, uh, Dober, who doesn't knock out people, was like, cool, this guy's done. And that's just as what happened with a longtime fighter at 34 years old. He's always going to be in brawls. You know what you can get with Polo Reyes, and that's someone who's going to move forward and throw four or five punch combinations. They're going to be looping. He's going to leave his head down and just move forward. He has a good gas tank. He's proven it before. He does slow down, but at the pace he has, of course he's going to slow down. He's always trying to land that kill shot, even if he allows himself to get hit before he gets there. And Kyle Nelson has proven that he can knock guys out if they give him free shots. Kyle Nelson does have power in here. There's a lot of intangibles. Just It's just who lands the, sh- the harder shot first. I don't like what I've been seeing with Reyes. I feel like he, as of late, has been finished harder. Well, they both have, again, gnarly knockouts. Again, this is a really close fight. This is one to hard to get a beat on because it's who lands the harder shot first is the essential breakdown, and that's not a good breakdown. I know that's not a good breakdown, but that's what these guys do. I do feel like technically sound. I like straight punches, and the straighter puncher here is Kyle Nelson. I had Reyes earlier. Give me Kyle Nelson, the slight favorite here. I could wake up tomorrow and be on Reyes, but I don't like more what I've seen from Reyes overall as a whole just because I feel like he's had worse fights where Nelson, yeah, he's lost two recently, but that's only two Reyes has had like 15 of these fights where we've seen even out of the UFC where he's like, I don't know if everybody's punchy, but he might, we'll see with what he talks about, how he talks. Ugh,
1: I'm going Polo Reyes. I have to think this is a setup fight for the UFC. I got to think it. This is crazy. I think this fight is so close. This fight should be uh, minus 110, minus
0: 120. 100% agree.
1: Uh, so I have Polo Reyes uh, by knockout round two. And that's purely that home field Advantage him being a hometown favorite, let's get the crowd hyped, building it up, starting to put those Mexican fighters peppered on it, not just Canadians, Brazilians, all these other huh <sighs> I don't like how soon this knockout was for him. I don't like his age, I don't like anything, but I just feel like since Kyle Nelson's been in the uFC, it is all for him to get knocked out, and this is gonna be another one. Polar Reyes, knockout. I'm, I want to move it to round one. I am. Polar Reyes, knockout round
0: one. I like what you're saying with the hometown advantage here as well. If it goes to decision, as I'm kind of predicting a bit more, it has to be decisive for Nelson because I don't know if we've really seen egregious scorecards in Mexico, but I wouldn't put it past them. And I'm speaking that from the heart. <laughs> with love. With love. <laughs> you're allowed to say that. I exactly. No <laughs> so... Uh, on DraftKings, a slight favorite at minus 130. Kyle Nelson's coming in at 8,600 against Polaris, 7,600. Slight underdog.
1: I'm more likely to pay Polareus there.
0: I agree with that, but it's going to be low-owned at that. I agree. So maybe one or two of Nelson, maybe three of Polaris. I played more of that 20 cards and stuff like that. So still low-owned. I feel like this whole fight night in general, this whole night, is one that you should... Wait, we got a pay-per-view around the corner that's gonna have much more distinct matchups where there are gonna be some What
1: what do we have coming up? Uh, pay-per-view, it up. it's
0: a pay-per-view that's definitely a good one. Right around the corner. Um New Zealand.
1: Oh, Whitaker. yeah. Whitaker.
0: Yeah. yeah, so there's definitely some fun matchups out of there. So This is just one where it's like, all right, put some cards together, but don't be bad in the house. In general, don't be bad in the house. But this is one of those where you're like, okay, even if you got to go to a barbecue. So next one
1: on September 28th will be that. And that will be Jack Hermanson, Jared Cannoneer. Uh, So that's September 28th. That's a pretty good distance from now. No, that's the next week. That's next week. And then the week after that. No, is that two weeks later? Two weeks after that. October 5th. That might be three, two weeks. Two weeks after that will be what you're saying, the pay-per-view uh two four three with Robert Whittaker at Asanya. And then oh, we're back into it. Then we're back into it. Okay, so yeah, we got fights coming up at least next week, and then we get a little break.
0: Definitely. I agree D- don't go deep. Don't go deep on this card. This one's definitely one to take lightly over the week. Hey maybe throw some of that money into this Rambo option because you know it's going to be effed up. Yeah, start
1: playing with it. Exactly. Figure out how it works.
0: Exactly. We know that you're probably not going to win first place if you do good, but we're all going to be just trying on that one, giving our best options.
1: Yeah, so we can come and tell you what we do with it. But the other thing I'll say that I know for sure, neither of these guys is my Rambo.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Great point. Great point. Moving on to 135 pounds, we have... Jose Alberto Quinones coming in against Carlos Hachin. Hachin coming in out of Peru. The 10-4-2 and and fighter has won a fight in the U. No, has not won a fight. He lost his debut fight against Hani Barzolos in there four months ago. Devastating KO. Ground and pound. We all saw it coming. Barzolos is one of those guys uh, who's going to be a title contender very soon. So, It wasn't that unexpected for a 23-year-old in there to get in there and get murked from such a high-level MMA fighter. But this is his second fight. This is much more of a winnable fight for Carlos in here. He's somebody who goes out there and bangs. He has power. He keeps his head straight up, throws from his hips, and lands with power. There's multiple fights in here where I was going back and watching his um, previous fights where he will land a shot or he'll take a shot to land a shot where he was rocked twice by the same right hand Um and he just was like, well, whatever. I'm just going to hit you with a harder shot and actually knocked out his opponent because his opponent just couldn't take it anymore. But that's not a fun game plan. That's a Polo Reyes type of game plan where eventually that's going to add up in here. But Hachin is a southpaw. I liked some of the, his combinations that he had in there. He does have power for the lack of his actual uh, lack of technical ability in there, he does do what it gets him there. He's a the Dante Wilder type of a fighter where he just swings and, hey, it shows on his opponents. But again, those are regional guys. That shit didn't work against honey Barsolas, a uh, contender, all of a sudden. So it's different once you get to the UFC. And in Quinones, he's proven that he is UFC level at 6-3 and three in here. He's been fighting for a while, getting wins over Rivas in there, coming off of the latin america series as well he has multiple fights in the ufc over six or seven beating ishihara uh losing as of late to nathaniel wood via a rear naked choke where we saw where a lot of people think the boxer has had issues and that is once it gets to the ground he's not able to necessarily get up and there's some lacking takedown decisions. He has gotten better on the ground and he shows a lot of heart and he's going to be a local favorite for sure. I know this for a fact that he's actually been training for the last six weeks in um Oh, I had it at the tip of my damn tongue. I know the name. I think they're in um uh, well, a part of Mexico with Little Heath and Stevens for six weeks. It is, oh, that's a
1: great knowledge.
0: Right, right, right. They went 60 ahead of time but they're actually in about 500 to 700 feet higher than Mexico City.
1: Wow, brilliant.
0: So they're actually going to be at a higher altitude coming down to Mexico City. Been working on that cardio. They've been doing extra work. And uh, Quinones in there has definitely always proven that he has a gas tank. His takedown defense has proven uh, not so good. But he doesn't have to worry about it here at all. So striking-wise, this is a boxing match. He's a more... Uh, precise striker. He doesn't have the power, but Quinones is one of these guys that will use technical boxing, grind you out, eat a punch more than I like in there, but he's able to wear it well. Give me Quinones in a decision. I think it gets pretty decided moving into the second round. I also thought Carlos uh, his gas tank didn't look too good even on the regional scene, so I don't expect it here. He is Peruvian, out of Lima, Peru as well, so he might be in the same boat, but I'm expecting Quinones, again, having Years of experience in the UFC and is well-training with a top-level contender on the same card. I think his ducks are going to be a row. He's going to be in a good mental state. Give me Quinones. It is a decision, but I think it could be a 30-26 type of a fight.
1: I like everything you said. I don't even have anything to add. You taught me a few things. made me feel a little secure about my pick. I was going to go with this experience anyway in this fight, not to mention hometown. F-f-f-f-f favoritism against a mean, mad Mexican boxer. So you teach me. Oh, he's trained with a little heathen. Oh, what, Alliance MMA guy? Oh, what, they got that dom knowledge dripping in? They got that dom knowledge? That's about all he's good for is that dom knowledge. I don't want to see him in the octagon anymore. But <laughs> I will take his fighter um, or his knowledge on this a Mexican fighter, give me Quinones by a mean, nasty decision, and I think too. I think he can pick him apart in a minimum amount. Score eighty plus points.
0: Uh, that's where I'm thinking as well. He's going to end up coming through and being one of these guys that think I'm going to lean on a little bit heavier. He is the favorite at a hundred at minus one fifty. 8,700 on DraftKings against Hutchins plus 127,500 on DraftKings. I like that price. I think, as you're saying, I think it's about that 70 points. At 8,000, he's not paying that off. But I think he has a higher ceiling than even that 70 points. I think his. Floor his basement, if people have been calling it, is more in that like 50 to 60 points, where he can get an even 110. I think he can all of a sudden put a pace in this third round where he's like, oh, I'm just landing everything I want. It's not gonna knock him out, but it was gonna be a ton of points. Going crazy. Right? And the judges are like, oh, this is 10-6, this ding, is 10-6, 10-8 ra- round. Yeah. So, gimme Kionas, decidedly there in that fight. Moving on. <laughs> To the main card, if you're not liking and subscribing, you better be. Then you're a douche.
1: (laughs) I have to say something I saw on Twitter. Uh, um, Somebody wrote, and I just want to throw it out there to all of our fans, and I think people should do it on Facebook and on Reddit or wherever. It just made me laugh, and I think it's awesome. Um, And I don't even know who did it now, but they put, uh, like, The person above me in this feed has dick breath.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Love it
1: made Me chuckle a few times since I read it, and I've even told other people about it. Like, I was trying to talk my wife and putting something like that because it's like people's grandmothers are above you, they're employees from their job, uh, their bosses, or whatever. Anyways, I just thought it was really funny, so you guys should put it in your feed. And if you want to be extra clever with it, just take a picture of yourself with your finger pointing up with the naughty little look on your face and put the person above me. <laughs> and you can put anything, it doesn't have to be dick breath. But the reason I thought it because I would like like douchebag the person above me is douchebag
0: <laughs> so remember you can be finding us for all that quality content at lap b mma underscore or at lap b underscore mma on instagram all those good places all those good feeds again loving the legion out there thanks for the support we are listening we are hearing ya.
1: Now, wait, and you can follow him at Tonight and me at Weakneck Baby, even though we already said it, but also on the Twitter verse. You can find us there.
0: That's it. The main card starts with Martin Bravo coming in versus Steven Peterson at 145 pounds. Both of these guys have fought in the UFC. Peterson coming in with a 17-9 record. He has lost to Brandon Davis in there in his debut, but came back and got a win over but set in a decision, as of late lost to uh, Alex Caceres in a decision and Luis Pena in a decision as well. Steven Peterson, uh, one track type of mind in there. He likes to keep it standing, tends to be more of the Muay Thai-esque striker even though he just stays at distance in the clinch. I like to see his work but he doesn't nearly get there enough. And on the ground, he's serviceable, but he doesn't really throw takedowns as well. He's more defensively minded when he gets on the ground, so you don't really have to worry about um, decisions. He does... he's got a serviceable gas tank. I don't know if he has necessarily the funds or he has the connections to be able... He's out of Fortis, which we really like, but to be able to get there extra early in Mexico, I feel like he's one of these guys that still fought a few times, but still on the lower end of the totem pole, so... I think he could be sucking air a little bit where you're coming in against a Mexican local fighter who has the ability to be there earlier as well. I haven't had the word that he has been, though, so I can't be that uh, heavy laying there in that. But Martin Bravo has at least had a couple wins in there over Poylis, who's earlier on the card, but losing a head kick to Bandane and losing also a split decision to Caceres. At least it was a split to Caceres instead of a full-on decision where, looking back at the Caceres fight where they have in common here, it was one-way traffic against um, Peterson there. That was easily 30-27. I mean, Peterson got picked apart everywhere, and Caceres doesn't really do that. So I didn't really like that at all. Uh, Peterson just doesn't mix it again up enough in there.
1: No, he's just a very... He's too emotional, lacks octagon IQ, doesn't have good hands at all, keeps his f- hands down the entire time. He just leaves himself open almost to get hit. And he's like one of those guys that keeps sc- screaming like, bring it on, yep. bring it on. Jason He's just eating, fu- eating punch after punch after punch.
0: Totally agreed. So that can make it oh, fun. Ocho and Toro. Ocho Toro fight on our hands in here. Bravo does have a little bit more of advanced of a ground game. He has a couple more submissions in there. I do think Peterson can keep it, though, striking. Oh, this is a has dirty split written all over it as well, as we're saying. The, avenue, the more distinct avenue to win would be Bravo giving it to the ground, but I think Peterson's shown enough defense, so I can't be confident there. But if it goes through a dirty split, got to give it to the Mexican fighter. Give me Bravo decision. I don't like this fight anywhere. I don't think I'm going to touch it. I I don't know if I see a decision either. Or I don't see if I see a heavy DraftKings decision where I'm like, oh, who's going to win me the night? So, give me bravo decision here. It's, the line's right. It's a coin flip of a fight for all the wrong reasons, though. For all the wrong reasons.
1: Steven Peterson's just one of those guys that's put there to make other people look good in my opinion. Uh, so I got Bravo decision. I did have him by KO and I could lean that way. Again, I want to look at him, his body, maybe find some open workout and see how he's doing because he does only take like that one fight a year type thing, uh, which I'm glad about for injuries and healing and whatnot. But um, I also don't want them to just be throwing him in for name value in Mexico. And Steven Peterson comes out and burks him and I'm like, oh my God, I didn't have Peterson anywhere. So, ugh. I don't know how much longer Steven Peterson. He's fighting for his life, in my opinion, in this fight. And this is hometown guy advantage. Bravo decision.
0: It is going to be minus 115, minus 115. The epitome of a coin flip on DraftKings mimics that at 8,100 against 8,100. The averages for these fighters is 54 and 56. So, again, this is going to be low level for $8,000. they are not going to get close to paying that off. There's going to be a dirty stay away. I feel like it's going to be kind of hard for me to make lineups just because I don't like so many fights. I'm like... You don't trust him again in the other fighters, so I'm just gonna limit my exposure. For me, is betting. If
1: you're on the fence, I just Stephen Peterson's more of a stay away fighter in my opinion than Martin Bravo. Okay, That's, I like that. I like
0: that. It's better than me being on the fence. Yeah, and, and I
1: actually think Martin Bravo has the better takedowns. Uh, so, and I think he's better standing up. I think he's a little better everywhere. I'm feeling a little more secure about Bravo the more I talk myself into it.
0: <laughs> I agree with that. Moving on to 135 pounds. We have returning Irene Aldana coming in with a 10 and five record against debuting, short notice replacement, the 10 and 5 fighter, Vanessa Maleo, Maleo replacing Mello. Maria, Mello
1: it, you might be right, though. because No,
0: I think concerned. it is. I'm I just, again, reading. I don't know how to read. I flunked the first grade. <laughs> so. I'm worse at
1: reading it. If I hear somebody say it, I'm like, I can remember, oh, I can remember, the, remember that. i it out forever. But if I try to read it, I'm like, what is this Nazi garbage?
0: <laughs> so, Mello in there, um, getting a lot of decisions. Again, it was, she's replacing Marion Renault, who's had a legitimate career in the UFC in there. But, what I saw from usually the decision fighter here is somebody who likes to strike on the ground. She has a knowledge of ground game, but she's not going to submit you. She doesn't have any type of credentials, or door, nor did it look like she was an outstanding submission fighter. She likes to just kind of kickbox kick in there, and her opponents warrant. Uh, the best or worst, 11 and 13. She's fighting losing fighters, even though they have experience. They're still low level. 3 and 0, 11 and 3, and she has losses in here as well. So uh, I think there is one marquee win earlier in her career, but um, and she's a 125er, and it was Poodle la I, I know I can't remember somewhere in that name, but either way, Mello. Having, like, what I what I did get to see, the 31-year-old in, in there against Aldana, who's been a bit out of a rise as of late. Last coming in against Raquel Pennington and losing a split decision. But before that, piecing apart KK in there, Carolina Kovalkiewicz. Try to get me to read that one. So... What? She, she didn't beat know. KK? Oh, no, that's Grasso. I'm jumping. I'm mixing them up. She beat... Uh,
1: She split with Pudlova, uh, Bernardo, uh, and I feel like most people thought she won. She submitted Betch, belly down armbar, and then she went to decision with Rocky Pennington. Was that in Colorado? But some people feel like she won that
0: fight right it was pretty close there was a lot of lower output in there i'm mixing it up with grasso is where the, the tape study i'm thinking there because these ladies always have just been attached at the hip they've both been training at a lobo gym i'm gonna
1: work at it you guys i'm a shitty tag team partner what i've realized if you're like i'm looking for something i don't just let me fill this void and chit chat about something right now <laughs> <laughs> it's like i never want to interrupt we're all growing we're all I growing get
0: better at that we're all growing here but um here Aldana, by far, vast more experience. Striking-wise, distinct advantage. And even on the ground, she's proving it against other fighters in there. I think it's kind of pick your poison. Whatever Aldana wants to do, she can get it done in there. I was leaning towards decision. The more I'm thinking about it, I think she might take it to the ground here. Striking-wise, I think she accumulates and then eventually jumps on a submission just because Melo's like, Oh, I didn't realize what I was getting into. I didn't even realize I was gonna get a potential contender in here where she should be fighting much lower level fighters in there. Aldana is a humongous favorite, and it's rightly so. It's that short notice and it's that tape study. I mean, Melo, if it wasn't if she wasn't replacing someone, she probably still wouldn't Smaller have. Smaller woman. Right, she probably just wouldn't be fighting in the UFC still. So this is a hurt circumstance type of a fight. Soak it in, girl. Enjoy it. You might not have too many left after this. Give me Aldana. Submission round number two, maybe even number one. I see her just running away with it, but everybody sees that. I'm not making anything up.
1: I was wondering if Melo could keep her at point range in round five and Aldana just being smart, taking her time, coming in, no reason to put herself at risk, uh, waits till round two to do it. I could see round one finish as well. I, too, have submission and... I almost feel like I have submission out of the kindness of Irina Donna's heart and so she doesn't have to take a lot of damage. Like, I That's just what think I agree. Completely Why is think, it weird that
0: we're agreeing here? Because everybody sees this being a decision.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. We. I think we both see submission, but I it's hate to use this terminology, but we talk about it. I feel like Aldana's going to big brother like, <laughs> me- Melo around. Girl. Yeah, big sister. <laughs> yeah.
0: But I do think that it starts with punches and Melo's just like, oh, and turns her back and then and it's a and she doesn't need choke.
1: to. And Aldana's like, I don't need to hurt this girl. Right. She came in on a week's notice for me to have a fight tonight on the main card in Mexico where I'm Mexican. Everybody loves me. It's going to set up fight. roof. Yeah. The roof is going to be on fire. Hopefully not literally.
0: (laughs) Agreed. Agreed. So there's a reason you got the biggest favorite of the night being 9,400 minus 500 for Irene Aldana against Melo's 6,800. I mean, you can't put Melo anywhere here. I don't think she even has that flash knockout potential because she just doesn't have it. The thing is, like last week. Well, Aldana doesn't gas like that. So that guy being the highest favorite, it's just some of those times we think it's a lock and it just isn't. I am a bit more comfortable here. I feel like she was getting fed with
1: Renault. It was just a little bit more dangerous of a feed. Right. Uh,
0: But so now, Yeah, it's like
1: she was getting like one riblet with like an opportunity that that riblet chokes her. Now she's getting like an already, like somebody dug up a pig out of the ground. They put it, you know, oh, look at this apple. It's already in its mouth. It's already prepared. I feel like this is just an easier solidification. If Aldana looks weak in this at all, I mean, I guess it can't be surprising in the 135, but this is a division that it's like Amanda Nunes, everybody else. Aldana should be in the top five.
0: And I believe both of these ladies have already been to Mexico City as well. Not both of these ladies, as in um Melo here. I'm talking about Aldana and Grasso. They both fought on Mexico City cards, so they know about the gas tank. So out of the two, they're going to be the ones. Guadalajara, Ayalisco,
1: Mexico. <gasps> <laughs>
0: So give me Aldana. I'm gonna probably because she's so high owned, I can't go overexposed because it'll shit the bed if she and doesn't it's even get it. Still Irene me.
1: Aldana, don't get too high, everyone Exactly it's everybody. Irene, she was
0: about to fight Renault. Exactly people. So you can't get that high button. Don't start 20%. treating her like
1: she's Polish. Right. All right. Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> 20% on my DraftKings. I will zero. You, that's a smart mellow. play. Exactly. Especially
1: when you have the likes of this little hunk coming up.
0: At 125 pounds, we have Brandon, the assassin baby, Moreno, coming in against debuting fighter Azakar Asgaroff. Azkar, that is a made-up comic book name. They're like, hey, just use his first name twice. And put Av at the end of it. <laughs> That's not his real name at Askar all. Askar Askarov in there. He's 72 years old. Uh, Khabib's granddad. <laughs> definitely been fighting out of Russia. Perfect 10 and 0. He is a Sambo Sam experience. Not only, he's also has some whirling, world grappling um, credentials in there. Being a high level wrestler in there. But they are doing no favors for the assassin baby here. This is not an easy debut fight for anybody. I'm actually really surprised when that they're giving uh, the baby assassin here this type of a fight in Mexico City as like there's just so many other fighters that could have um, been in this spot. So the wrestler comes in with heavy strikes and Asgaroff, the bullet or bullet. He has good fret, headlock chokes. Anaconda chokes squeezes well and gets them very sneaky you can see that even the guys he's been fighting which has been fairly high level on the ABC scene he actually has a couple titles there he's went past three rounds a few times as well has one of those patented twister submissions um, but he's incredibly strong and you can see it in a lot of his matchups I got to watch a lot of tape on him. There's, he will go for net cranks that he knows he's not going to get, but they hurt his opponents or his opponents. Next time they go to the ground, they're like, they just seem in disarray because they're like, this guy's just a fucking monster. Strong as hell. Um, Askarov, again, he is well-rounded, has power. And against Moreno here, this isn't an easy fight. He's coming back into the UFC after he got cut, getting two losses in a row. He was a babyface on the Latin America scene a lot of people were surprised he got cut they thought they were going to get rid of him with the 125 division but eventually the UFC turned changed its mind decided to come back and he went directly to the LFA and won a finish I think in the 4th or 5th in the LFA against a level fighter at 6 and 1 Moreno's been training with high level guys every ever since he got out of um that tough house. I know he jumps around a little bit. He did good. He has gone back to his camp and I do believe he has a training partner here at 135 earlier in the card. But Moreno great off of his back has a good triangle but we saw his deficiencies with striking. Baby Pettis was able to get a clear decided finish in Pantoja as well. A good decision. They both got decisions in there and it's just because Moreno is very looping in his striking and he can gas a little bit in there. And then Moreno as well doesn't have a good takedown, he reaches for it, but he will drop for guard or even give up the takedown and not even care because he's so confident. But we've seen guys that are like, oh, I'm going to stuff this a couple takedowns. Then Moreno's kind of lost. Askar, Askar has that ability to do that type of stuff where he will stop three and four submission attempts, and all of a sudden it's just side control and Moreno's losing the round. So this is a dicey, dicey fight. I have the debuting fighter. I think this is a bad matchup. Other people see it as well. I'm really surprised when I even saw the line here. Moreno, it's the fact that Moreno gives up takedowns so easily here, and I don't think he has a striking advantage, even though he has the flying knees and all of the flashiness. That has been proven not to work against these higher-level UFC guys. Askarov hasn't proven that, but the fundamentals are there for this guy. Again, it's been lower-level competition, not UFC like Moreno. This is a close fight. I do think I could see the odds even closer than they are right now, especially with the debutness. Give me the debut fighter here in a dirty split. Maybe because of the Mexican and the home crowd, I could see myself picking Moreno.
1: If you think it's going to be a dirty split.
0: Got to go Moreno, right? Have to. Have to. True. I think uh, it goes decision right now. I
1: actually have Moreno finishing it. I just think Askarov. The amount of competition is night and day. Like beating uh, Dustin Ortiz. Are you joking? Dustin Ortiz is one of he's like a guy who never gets his shine losing a decision making it all the way to decision against the Pantoja a guy who everybody thought was going to gas and then he came out and he was like on fire like whoa this Pantoja looks a little different. Uh, I think Brandon Moreno um, even to go into decision with Sergio Pettis that was one of the fights that people were like whoa Sergio's the better Pettis Mm -hmm. he's the one to watch. Why? Because he was going against a trash can? No, he was going against Brandon Moreno. It wasn't because Brandon Moreno looked good. It was just a grueling fight where you could tell both these guys left it all in there. Ascar just has not proved to me that he can leave it all in there. He's just like, let me throw an O and a V on my first name and make it my last name, and then now I'm a I'm a UFC fighter. No, I'm just kidding. I see that <laughs> is, uh, uh, and I like that the bullet. But that is, if I'm on the fence about this, you can't have that nickname. I'm sorry. Are you right? Not, I keep uh, saying on the bullet. this podcast, you can't have that nickname. So I got Moreno. I think he catches him coming in um, with a nasty uppercut. I think he is going to have the better hands here. He is a little looping punch. I am a little worried about his cardio. I like everything you said. I don't know too much about Asker. Take that for what it is. I'm not going to go too high on Moreno because I trust your opinion so much on him. But I do think he's going to figure it out even though he's back into the UFC. He just has that UFC experience. Um Brandon Moreno, KO, uh, KOs are so hard to come by in this, but the kid throws hard, KO round two.
0: We have the minus 155 favorite for the debut fighter, Askar Askarov at 8,800 on DraftKings against Brandon Moreno's plus 125, seven thousand four hundred. As I'm saying, I think the line's off. It should be closer, just out of respect as well. So I can't go heavy for 8-8 on Askarov. He has to get a finish to get there. I don't necessarily see that. I see it more of a grind if he wins. And even then, I like what you're saying. If it's going to be a split, i got to be hedging on Moreno's side a little bit more. As far as DraftKings, I don't like Askarov, But I do like Moreno. I like what you're saying. I think he's a live dog here. Right now... I'm still picking against him, but DraftKings, it's got to be Moreno or not. So I'm going to be going Moreno-DraftKings by 20%.
1: You know how I like Ooh. to pick an all Mexican or no Mexican? I think I'm going all Mexican. Wow, wow. Or at wow, least wow. I say, have some fun. Go for some all Mexican yourself. Maybe you just want all Mexican on your fight card. And then you like have a taco Saturday night, have a burrito Saturday night. Because I know that's all you all white people are eating is taco and
0: burritos. What if you do a. Me- <laughs> we see our
1: European numbers. We know you ain't like a chimichanga.
0: <laughs> do yourself a favor, try it out. Try to make a chimichanga, you'll be pleasantly surprised. So I think I'm going to go with a Mexican in this next one in the co-main event where we have a 115-pound bout in Carla Esparza versus Alexis Grasso. Both of these having Mexican roots, but definitely the more Mexican fighter is the Lobo gym fighter. Alexis
1: Grasso, she gives me some Ariana Grande vibes.
0: I agree. She's a little cutie. She'd be
1: dropping me the Ariana Grande vibes. I don't know an Ariana Grande song I'd Sing it. <laughs> I'm the only person on the internet that doesn't know Ariana Grande.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, she's come in and gotten, uh, being an 11-and-2 fighter, she came in. Perfect Coming off of that Invicta scene has gotten a loss over Titiana Suarez, which doesn't look so bad. Also losing to, Fel- to Felicia Herring in there, beating Ronda Marcos in a dirty split, tooling up Carolina Kovacevic, also beating Jody Escobel in there. But Grasso's come in with high output in there. She likes to get it done like her friend Aldana in with the output, which is usually... Uh, Boxing, she has good three and four punch combinations. Her takedown defense has always been serviceable. But what's been her biggest detriment is once she gets taken to the ground, she's not been able to get up. So if you don't get Grasso to the ground, you're going to have your hands hands full with her volume. She throws a lot of volume in there. And she kills you by a thousand cuts. She doesn't have a ton of power, but she's definitely one of these fighters that in the third round, she will not stop fighting even if she... She won't show that gasness in there. She just feels like she's just doing her thing in there. Has um, fundamentally sound boxing in there, but that's essentially it. Where you're coming in with Carla Esparza coming out of that Timo Oyama camp, fighting with all sorts of ladies, having actually a long-time training partner in Felice Herring, being a former belt holder, losing to Gedalia, losing to Suarez as well. Last beating, Joe Brina four months ago in a decision. We know what the Cookie Monster wants to do in there, and that's take you down. When she's thought she was a striker, she lost those decisions. When she's ever thought she could even, or when it's been proven that she can't get her fights to the ground, first JJ fight, you see what Carlos Barza doesn't do, and that's strike. Her boxing is only there as a utility to get her close enough to shoot that double leg takedown. If not, she'll even step over that trip. Where I think people are being are overblowing Grasso. Here is that, yeah, she looked good against KK, who we need to be fading after that Andrash knockout, who has never had good takedowns, and you could have l- done her a
1: favor and faded her before.
0: <laughs> well, yes, <laughs> agreed. I bet KK in that last fight, but Grasso took it all down there. I mean, just showing that uh, her boxing is finally where she's decided. Okay, this is what I'm gonna get good out. F all that submission stuff. Grasso on the gram is just on the ground, like Aldana, serviceable, but she's not trying to be a submission lady in there. Where Sparza just wants to get you to the ground and not necessarily even submit you, she's just position over submission, and she'll land that ground and pound, and she's been falling into that much category much more. But out of both fighters here, Carla Sparza is the weaker mentally fighter. She's one of these that multiple times we've seen it where she's like, i didn't just feel like fighting if something didn't go right in the week if she's having other issues it translates over into That's the fight old. oh if you don't you That's think old. she turned that around yeah yeah i don't, I don't know, know if she's turned that around necessarily and i feel like being in mexico city i feel like she's gonna be getting booze which she should be used to but elevation she has the wherewithal maybe she come out earlier i know grasso was up at elevation with aldana as well so Ugh. If she gets it to the ground, though, I don't think Grasso gets back up, as I was saying before. Give me Carla Barza, I think she gets the takedowns right now. But as you're saying, maybe I'm playing into it a little bit much. I thought you were the Mexican games.
1: on this leading into it. Oh, uh, this the Mexican-American.
0: It. <laughs> They're the same thing, same thing. <laughs> I know, I just
1: thought you were talking about the actual
0: um, Mexican. I said, I'm going with a Mexican in this next one. Oh, okay. Mexican-American, easy, easy enough. quotations. Easy it was enough. softball. But give me sparza, the slight underdog here. I think it turns into a ground game, but is it that Moreno type of play? Like if it's even close to a decision, you've got to go Grasso?
1: I've never been high on Grasso. Well, That's a
0: lie. That is a blatant <laughs> lie. <laughs> no, maybe you're I right. I know
1: everybody else is... Um she had so much hype coming into the game uh carla esparza's next champion and she's only losing to next level people yes did tatiana suarez knock her out yes will tatiana suarez be wearing a belt within the next 365 days yes so i don't think anything surprising about that uh loss and then claudia gadelia losing the split decision no one thought claudia gadelia won that no one still i'll I'll say it every time i'm always going to remember claudia didn't win that fight that was carla's all day and uh i actually thought that gadelia was going to outstrike her and have the stronger more powerful punches and esparza just looked a little better everywhere including the cardio she handled cynthia caviglio that's kind of how i see this fight going um, Cynthia Cavillo is supposed to have great wrestling, and I think Esparza stifled that and then uh, got close enough to lay the ground and pound, which I think once she takes away Alexa's uh, feet and is just on top of her, she's going to handle her. And I think she's going to lay enough punches. I feel kind of secure here. I think the experience works out, and I just don't... I don't really love Alexa anywhere. She has yet to do anything in the UFC that makes me... Um, think she's going to make a run at this thing, whereas Cookie Monster already has made a run, and she only loses to the best. And she's kind of one of those people that for the future of her career, the next four years of her career or whatever, she's only going to lose to the best. Her name brand's big enough. She's actually been a champion. Um, Her highlight reel's a mile long at this point. And just the name she's losing to, even by split, are far better than Alexa Grasso. If Alexa can't finish her, then what? I don't think you're going to finish Carla. Eventually, she's going to get in the inside. She's going to take you down. She's going to be on top of you. She could even finish it in round three by just um, tons of elbows or something else. Esparza decision.
0: Wow. Both going with the underdog here. Plus 130 for the favorite, Alexa Grasso. 8,400 on DraftKings against the slight underdog near even. Plus 105 for Carla Esparza. 7,800. Hundred on DraftKings. I think that they still were both pretty clear it's going to be a decision either way for either fighter. Could be...
1: Not a ton of points. Exactly.
0: They both averaged low scoring points. We see it being a low scorer. We don't see either one really taking over here. So... I'm thinking this entire night though. I don't see tons yeah. of finishes. I feel like the you highest card have cards a are...
1: fight card that just has all winners, which you don't always see. It usually needs all knockouts. You could just have The highest card 70, might not yeah. break 500. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Where it's going to be in the 400s cuz everybody's going to be in that like 60 point, 70. 80 points is a high score on tonight or something crazy like that. So I'm going to be still low owned on both of these ladies, yeah, I but I haven't I have, even had have
1: one KO and I don't even feel good about that. Right. Everything's decision. Everything's, decision. and it's
0: dirty split yeah. type of decision. So, again, not going to be betting this night super heavy, but we're decided on that underdog and it is one of the decided underdogs throughout the night. Just throwing it out Could there. Could she be
1: pimping? Could Carlos Barzil be pimping? I guess you just have to tune in and wait and see.
0: I guess we will. I don't know how confident I am in that, in this entire night. Um, Anything left no. with that main co-main event of the night, then we move on to the main event. Five rounds. For I'm sorry for Mexico City. Fighters. That's your
1: co-main. That's what I have to add. I'm so sorry that that's your co-main. When in oh. reality, in my opinion, no hate. Jeremy Stevens versus Little Heathen or Jeremy <laughs> Stevens versus Sierra Rodriguez should be a co-main fight, and you guys should have a little something else. Even though this fight's a freaking banger, it's amazing. It could be a co-main on a pay-per-view. Uh, or at least a main
0: main it's an ESPN card. Plus card. Yeah, ESPN I mean, Plus card. I mean, so I that's mean, why. I mean, I mean,
1: sorry, that's all i
0: have to So say about Brand, that. Or, So Jeremy Stevens coming Brandon in. Brandon Davis. <laughs> what? <laughs> a 145 pound bout on ESPN Plus against Yair Rodriguez. Coming in with an 11-2 record, he's going to be the local favorite in the same situation as we were before where we have a Mexican-American fighter who does have a bit of rub. Because in the States here, we know him as a Mexican fighter. He doesn't shy away from that. He actually has some ties to a very specific part of Mexico that I have family from, but that was really interesting. Just a little heathen how it's all tied in together, but he's definitely been training up for six weeks where is that for the people that are new uh in mitrakan there he is. has people out there but that's the state essentially where it's at but
1: I that still could think be of a question page. on something if we were on a poll <laughs> later on there could be like answer these three I questions right and you'll win uh daniel cormier
0: <laughs> drawing <laughs> drawing of daniel yeah, cormier who knows who knows i'm exactly. just saying it could happen yeah. <laughs> So, little Heathen Stevens in here is not going to be the local favorite. 26 and 16 coming off of a two fight losing streak to Zabit and as of late to Jose Aldo via body kick. But we know where we're getting with the Alliance fighter, as I've been touting off the entire night. He's been up there training above with uh, Teo Quinones, above elevation to come back down. But he went six weeks ago. He has a whole training camp, got on his Instagram. He's been doing extra work. He thinks that cardio is going to play a factor here, and I think he's been absolutely right. Little Heathen has been a gatekeeper for essentially the top eight, I feel like, top ten-ish guys. He's a title contender, but he gets beat by, again, the Zabits and the Jose Aldos, which are... Zabit is a title contender, but Aldo's getting in that gatekeeper position for those top three type of guys, top five. So, Little Heathen, tons of power... We know what we get with him, solid wrestling, grew up wrestling, ton, absolute ton of fights, crazy uppercuts. You're always going to see highlights from everywhere from him. Throws with a bunch of power, doesn't mind getting hit, but has shown a granite chin. Still not being finished uh, via TKO that I can think of off the top of my head. Again, Jose Aldo did it with a body kick and I that folded him, but it's hard to mimic those that level of speed and power and body kick, but Yair should take note of that because that is something that I don't care how good of a gas tank you have. Body kicks hurt, so...
1: yeah, that cowboy it,
0: soft body. it's it just might be an option in there. No one can do
1: there. anything
0: about it. No one can, exactly. Exactly, exactly. But little heathen in here doesn't have to worry about submissions at all against the flashy tornado of a fighter in there against Rodriguez with an 11-2 type of record in there. He was released from the UFC... Got back on because he didn't want to fight Zabit, but then was like, oh, never wait, never mind, I'll fight him. Then ended up falling out of that fight anyways, so still didn't fight him. But then he got an eliminator bout against Frankie Edgars and got TKO finish, doctor stoppage via eye finish in there. It was nasty. Nasty, nasty cut in there. But it really showed what... How the game plan is to beat Yair. Yair's also had some pretty close split decisions against Alex Caceres in there when that was a big um, spinning fest, but he has some key wins over some young fighters in Andre Tuchifili. Yair likes to spin on the ground. He'll throw up triangles. He's isn't the best at getting back up. His cardio has been a little bit iffy. I think that, again, he's more than likely been at an elevation for a while, but I haven't specifically seen his camps on where he's at, where Jeremy Stevens has been transparent. He has let me know what he's doing. With Yair, he has proven to have a little bit of a gas tank. He went five rounds his last bout with um, the Korean Zombie in there, and the Zombie showed what a good pace, good head movement, and a great striking will do, and that'll gas out somebody who's trying all this flashy stuff and essentially pick it apart. I mean, that was four, if not all five rounds, absolutely for Korean Zombie in there. He won that entire fight. Yair did not like any of the damage he was taking at all. Other than that elbow finish, that would have been two losses in a row, and they would have been fairly clear for me. So I don't see if I'm seeing the big jumps in progression for Yair. He's not training with Alliance, with Lions, with all these monsters. He's not doing these extra stuff, or at least I can't see it. I know he's been one of these guys who's also had trouble uh, being at gyms. He's had just issues with guys. So, Yair here, if he comes in doing that same spinning shit, I feel like Jeremy Stevens is like, yeah, go ahead, dude, that shit doesn't work on me. Not my level of guy. And that right hand's gonna be coming in hard, if not with the left hook. And if there's anything that we see from Little Heathen, if he smells even an inch of blood, he will throw everything at it. I don't think Yair can mimic another flash finish like he did against Korean Zombie just because Jeremy Steven is proven to have a rock solid jaw. And I don't think that Yair has the type of a game plan or ability to be able to contest Steven, especially in the wrestling. And if Little Heathen was smart, which I know he isn't, he should go to the wrestling and easily win this. But Little Heathen's going to want to strike. But I do think that Little Heathen technically should be the better striker here. I got a decision right now. I could even see myself turning that into a finish. Give me Little Heathen Stevens as the under, under slide under, near even coin flip of a fight here. It's going to be... Actually, I'm more confident in this one than I than I initially thought. I think Jeremy Stevens has a decided advantage everywhere.
1: Yair's yeah, this hype train I don't understand. Uh, like you were saying, the Korean Zombie won that entire last fight until the elbow. And I know well, people are like, well, that's the fight. Yeah, but really, Yair was a punching bag for that whole mm-hmm. fight. He's been outclassed, and he's kind of... He's, the dare I say, the first there until. He's kind of the first dude that just got pushed too fast, too quick, and names were given out about him. Uh, I just don't see what he does with the top of this division at all. And it, it starts with Zabit, and, uh, you know, Zabit beat Little Heathen, but I don't think... There's no way Yair could pull that off. Little Heathen has far more power than Korean Zombie. A little less technical, a little more powerful, but a little more well-rounded as well. It might not be just a stand and punching the whole time like uh, Yair's fight before. So Jeremy could take him down if he wants and work it out, but I don't think Jeremy will. I think he treats this like a three-round fight, and I think he finishes it within three rounds. Um, he's... He is a there's levels to this game. Yair's if he Yair's UFC quality, Jeremy Stevens top five, and he's gonna hold himself in the top 10 for at least the next year, two years of his existence. Um, we've been talking about well rounded all night. Little Heathen is a well rounded guy. You can't be Michelle Prazeras in there and be flashy and do some crazy stuff because he'll catch you. He'll catch you. Uh, Little Heathen knockout round three.
0: Interesting, this opened up. As Yair, the slight favorite that has since moved into the underdog status at minus 115, minus 115. This is the epitome of a coin flip. As of recording right now on DraftKings, you have Yair, 8,200 against Jeremy Stevens 8,000 to 8,000 even. We both like Jeremy Stevens here.
1: I think everyone, get on Jeremy now, because the more UFC people come in on this, which will be happening closer to fight time, I think Jeremy becomes the favorite and Yair becomes the heavy under.
0: I would agree with that. Not heavy, but
1: at least like 145. Right.
0: The decided underdog. I would agree with that as well. And... Out of the two on DraftKings, I think you gotta put Yair on 10% of your cards just because he is so random that a knee could come out of nowhere. It's unlikely, but we have a that Did type you, of night. We've seen him get hit in the body. We're, and we've we've it's that type of Put night. him on
1: your all Mexican game.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Like we've been saying, even with these other guys, where we're like, I'm gonna have one or two cards, you gotta do that. But I'm gonna say 30% Jeremy Stevens. I'm gonna say much more because I am that much more confident in Jeremy Stevens. It was a whole twelve bouts. We went from the bottom to the top. We got it down. It's gonna be a dicey one. It's gonna be a little slippery. People are gonna be sucking air in this. I feel like this might go down and was one of the worst cards of the year, honestly. I hate to say it because Mexico, but you know, you know how America feels about Mexico.
1: Sometimes I feel like the harder core of the fans now, the less fight they get. It's kinda of weird. I was just looking you know, the Canada card was eh. Usually Canada used to get the fire. Now Florida with the Tampa card, it's like no offense to JJ and Michelle, but uh does some co main shit right there. But I appreciate EOC. You're putting on a lot of fights. Sometimes the ones we think are the shittiest become the best. The ones we think are gonna be the best, we end up with uh, Derek, Lewis, and Ganu. And I'll leave it there. Thanks for listening. Let me!